1: Hi Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's babes, Hoddle's heroes, even De Canio's dozens. We've had some iconic line-ups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNuggets share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? Thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
0: Rodgers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! Make a shot!
1: Last post for Shearer, goal! McLaughlin has it, oh deflection, and it's a goal! Touch to Mitchell, it's another goal! Incredible huddle. Taylor
0: has scored, and that surely means
1: it's the Premier
0: League for Swindon Town now! Fantastic goal by Jan Bjornsson. Parkin. in! Austin going in. Oh, I would win this league anyway. Richard, he's hit it. It's Cadwell! Barney yeah! Doyle strikes again. And a brilliant goal from Harry McCarty. JR,
1: Jaya, JR, JR. J-R. J-R back again. Yeah, it seems to be a bit of a regular habit of late, but I don't know how enthusiastic people were to uh, to unpick the events of yesterday. Oh,
0: tumbleweeds are plenty when reaching out for, for enthusiastic contributors. None willing, <laughs> except for yourself, JR, which I'm sure there's going to be a double dose this week because I don't think anyone will want to talk about the Bristol
1: Rovers game other than yourself. No, I've got nothing to do on Tuesday either. So I'll be be tuning in and you'll be be there in person. So we'll put the Papa John's to bed for uh, another season.
0: (laughs) We certainly will. And I'm looking forward to it. And the weather so far is looking good. It's pretty much the last okay day of the year looking at the weather forecast. So I'm hoping that holds out. And I'm looking forward to seeing some Swindon fringe players but we're not here for that. We've got a whole presser and a conversation for Bristol Rovers coming in what is going to be quite a busy couple of weeks for the pod. Um so Swindon Town versus Colchester is the is the big part of this pod but we are going to start with that press release club press release from the 14th of October and is this going to be a low strangers winge probably but an important reminder for fans around match days was released um not an EFL template it's certainly composed by the club judging by the way it was written so as part of our continued quest to ensure every one of our fans can enjoy football at the county ground in a safe and comfortable environment we'd like to take this opportunity to issue a couple of reminders around our protocols. Anyone under the age of 16 who purchases a matchday ticket must be accompanied by a responsible adult to enter the stadium. We'd also like to remind you that all areas of the county ground, including the town end, have allocated seating, which means you must sit in the seat stated on your ticket. This is incredibly important, not just from a safety perspective, but also to ensure we create a great atmosphere at SM1 with a comfortable and enjoyable environment for all. With a number of reported behavioural issues and vandalism in the ground over recent weeks, we'll also be stepping up our security efforts at home games moving forward. Please help us by respecting the stadium and those around you, and reporting any antisocial incidents to our dedicated stewards. Thank you. Okay. Joe, there's some there's some fair points in this isn't there because there have been behavioral issues and vandalism in the grounds not just at the county ground but by some of the fans away from home too pretty much since the start of the new era which has been a bit odd uh, some people have pointed or highlighted maybe it's a post pandemic thing you know people just lost their heads a little bit in the in the excitement of returning to football there could be various reasons, can't there? But I think the thing that has disappointed many fans, and not everybody disagrees with the sentiment and statement in this statement, 15-year-olds, they can go to football on their own, surely. as good 14. I, I, just, I just look back to when I was young and thinking to myself, I would never, ever get to a game if, if I couldn't go on my own as a 15-year-old.
1: Yeah, this is getting the nub to it. I mean, I was tempted to say that no, you know, throw the book at them, bring back national service, and uh, <laughs> let's just move on from that. This, of course, comes from the back of the um, Newport game, where towards the end, to fill in anybody who might have might have missed that one, there was a pitch invasion. What, was, what about eighty, eighty-five minutes in? It was really late into the Ooh, game. Oh,
0: later injury time, injury time. In injury
1: time, okay. Then mm-hmm. yes, yeah, so a couple of uh, young young lads. Uh, ran onto the pitch, sort of headed for I think for the center circle to take a a cheeky selfie and well, you know, if I was if I was these boys' PE teacher for one, I'd be thinking about, you know, trying to encourage them into athletics who extra extremely quick, outrunning the stewards and making a, a fallout of them. So okay, they encroached on the pitch area. Then we had the news that they had been given a ban for the season. Don't know their exact ages, so that probably seems proportionate. Uh, There was the incident a while back, wasn't there, with the town end toilets being vandalised. It feels like um, 16-year-olds taking the brunt to this. Now, you know, we might be a bit older than that these days. I don't want to get into all these stories of, you know, when I used to, you know, bring my jam jars in to get in and (laughs) memories of old managers past. But I think for a lot of young people, quite a rite of passage is, you know, being able to go to football on your own. Being able to go to football on your own can be quite a broad interpretation as well. There's plenty of people who'd get, you know, dropped off and picked up. Um, And there was, uh, reading social media and the various things, there's various families who, you know, they'll go to a game together. They might all arrive in the same car, but perhaps, you know, the the teenage son or daughter wants a bit of autonomy and to sit with their friends somewhere else and doesn't want to sit with, you know, granddad and mum and dad and you guys can go off to the Arkles, no offence, people who like to go there. I like to go there myself sometimes. So I've I've come with a litmus test, if you will, Rich. I like to call it the Shore Ridge litmus test, okay? So if your kid is old enough to be dropped off to go bowling or ice skating or to the cinema or something like that. Surely it must make sense that they'd be old enough to go to football because it's not always a family affair for a lot of people. And that's maybe a lot of people's only way of accessing uh, the games is being able to go alone with their friends. Uh, You do have... um, Lots of different guidance on this, and I was, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit perturbed by the club leaning on the, the EFL safeguarding thing because I got a bit on my high horse on this, and I read a lot of standard operating procedures from uh, Bristol City, uh, Bristol Rovers, Reading. By the way, kids, these people will all take you from 13, 14 plus, so does Swindon want that kind of information <laughs> disseminated, that they could you know, see a higher league of football and have a, a, a warmer welcome? It wasn't good to see yesterday, you know, a big group of lads getting chastised by a steward outside the town end. I mean, we've been going to football and we've been going to different clubs and grounds long enough to know that sometimes these announcements they might be with like a you know, a wink and a nudge and you know, just a reminder that to kind of self police a bit and be a bit more respectful as fans. You might want to stand up for the whole game, but if there's somebody who's you're unable to stand or uncomfortable to stand for the whole game, and they're perhaps behind you. That maybe you have to, you know, shelve that desire or move somewhere else or something like that. There's something self policing in fans to say, reminder that you're not supposed to do this. And generally, people sort it out amongst themselves. But seeing scores of kids being turned away yesterday and being told off for, you know, this was ridiculous. Um situation where you know they're approaching complete strangers to see if they will you know catch them in on a ticket with them how is that helping self got it. Did, did
0: that did that happen
1: according to the steward who by the way, my own opinion on this but he looked like his Christmases and birthdays had all come together. He really looked like he quite enjoyed reading the <laughs> right act to these kids. It was really disgraceful to see um but that 's what he was saying as you've been approaching random people to say um That they'll do it. I'm pleased to see that I've seen a tweet before coming on here that um, Trust are going to look into it. There must be options or things like that. A lot of these places, like when I say, you know, Reading or Bristol City and Rovers, yes, they might have, you can come in at 13, you can come in at 14 unaccompanied, but they do have sort of very key designated areas as to where you're allowed to go. I'd rather see um, an offer or a suggestion like that first to say this is a designated area for unaccompanied minors in groups or whatever that could be stewarded or supervised. Um, and all this stuff makes you think that this is going to be foisted on you know, our youngest fans who don't have a voice in these advisory groups or things like that. So perhaps for a you know an older peer, someone who's like 16, 17, 18, volunteering is good for your Duke of Edinburgh, why couldn't we have somebody, you know, be an appointed voice to actually represent uh, kids at football, at our ground? Because like you say, this was the formative time of me going. And to be perfectly honest, you might have been the same way. When it came to being 16 to 18 or even 16 to 21, these were wilderness years for me because I had to work every weekend. So I was making infrequent games from then. Uh to so really, like fourteen to sixteen was was the time to get the bug,
0: yeah, fourteen to sixteen are key years, and you, you can lose many a fan, and you know i don 't want it to be hyperbolic, I just think the club should reconsider that that age threshold because it's eliminating a lot of very well behaved people um and you know the cyn me are thinking, well, you know if a 13-year-old or 14-year-old can't go and they've got to go with an adult, that's another 21 quid for the club as uh, as the, the responsible man. That's a loaded statement, isn't it? The responsible adult um, joins them. So, you know, call me a cynic there, but that feels a bit... Yeah, I, I think that's all we really need to talk about on that front. I'm not outraged. I think just that number is just way too high. You know, 15-year-olds, it's, that's, that's football. That's the time. Young, you know, junior rail card kids go up and down the country at that age watching football. And like you've mentioned, there's no way on earth that rule is across the EFL. So it's it's an
1: odd number. Yeah, it's very odd. And and if I'm thinking back to these times, it's not just that, oh, you know, my dad is dropping me off at like quarter to three every week and then picking me up. I'm getting the bus from Cannes like 55 minutes. And the man at the stagecoach, believe me, has got no qualms in in a 14 year old getting the bus and half the time he's, he's trying to catch you on a adult ticket anyway, isn't he? Mm. I,
0: I, I did enjoy some of the, um, the the older, more middle aged Swindon fans saying it was like kids these days was the rhetoric. When I am thinking to myself, oh, when you were about that age, fans still talk about taking the away end when they when they'd go and travel to other clubs. So I don't think this is a new thing, is it? Behaviour?
1: No, in fact, back in our day, or when I remember people invading the pitch, it usually looked to get their giblets out. You've got that picture <laughs> of Gareth Southgate giving a a man who's whipped his kit off a affectionate kiss and please go away. We would have seen on, you know, real cultural zeitgeist uh, moment here, things like Danny Baker videos, great moments of people who ran on the pitch and maybe had a shot or things like that. How funny that was. Pitch invasions aren't a new thing. Um I guess having a selfie or whatever is new and TikTok and all that stuff, but essentially right. you competing with it competing with other leisure things, which is what football has to do. There's not lots to do in Swindon anyway, which I think is why Swindon enjoy, you know, good groundswell of support. It's probably at the detriment of having, you know, no adequate leisure facilities at the moment. You no know, museum, no proper gallery, poorly maintained public parks, things like that. To be a bright light in, uh, you know, in a in a dull crowd is is a great opportunity. And if kids can't go to football, then they will do other things and you'll lose them
0: community club we claim to be then let's ensure that the future are going to games and are trusted that said i did miss my train because of that pitch invasion against newport which i've not long recovered from but we'll move on to swindon town one colchester united Nil. I was at the ballet. Well done to my eldest for a fine performance in Alice in Wonderland. Lovely stuff. And it sounded like she did me a favour, Joe, because you were there and it wasn't very
1: good. No, it wasn't very good. So after all that diatribe about kids not being let in, perhaps they were thinking that they had been done a favour as well by not having should have sit gone to the it.
0: ballet, Joe. They should have gone to the ballet.
1: Maybe they should. It's it's a difficult one because I'm saying to you what yeah off mic before we've recorded on that the first thing to say is that it's it's unchanged from last week and last week was a bit of a shit show it was not ideal was it the trip to stevenage and thinking back to last week and me and terry chewing the fat over that and thinking something must be different something must be different going into next week because we said there's a line drawn under that You've got Colchester and Hartlepool who aren't doing brilliantly. You've got Rovers coming up. We've got the Papa John's thing. There's a chance to tinker a bit and get it right. So the last thing I think any of us expected was to see the exact same team sheet as the Steve Village game, but that's the first thing we were greeted to. It was extraordinary.
0: Well, let's, let's have a look at that team sheet. So as you said, it was exactly the same. Bryn, Blake Tracy, Clayton, Baldry, Hutton, Kahn, Darcy, Gladwin, Williams, Wakeling and Jeff Cott. A rare weekend where Scott Lindsay utilised his maximum allocation of subs of five um, coming on from the bench were Agua, Shade, Roberts, Brennan and Iandalo. Before we get into the game itself, I guess this is as perfect an opportunity as any to talk about Louis Reed. I don't want to make this a Reed versus Khan conversation because, as we'll discuss later, it sounds like Khan is getting more and more fans. But Reed has now not played for two games. I don't know if there's been any word of fitness or anything like that. But on his day, he's our best player. He's a hugely important player. He's one of the last shining lights of what was a tremendously entertaining 2021-22 season and now he's on the bench for two games where we haven't you know we haven't been outstanding and he hasn't been used and i mean i don't know if it's true or not but i, I read a comment from a, you know a listener to the of the pod that said that reed didn't warm up and left the bench before full time long before full time i don't know if that's true or not but i just i've got a bad feeling joe that's based on absolutely nothing that there might be trouble in paradise with this. I'm, I'm hoping I'm wrong. Like I said, it's completely unfounded, but Reed is not the reason why we were picking up draws or underperforming. You know, he's not having the season that he had last year, but there's been a huge personnel change. So to remove him from the squad feels so peculiar to me, even though his, his
1: replacement is doing okay. You can't not talk about that, really, because... It, it... It almost feels unavoidable to mention, and the other striking thing is to say, like you're right, this is our only opportunity to really talk about him because, for the first time in weeks, we've used five subs today, and Reed was not one of them. So at half time, um, down in the Don Rogers end, so nearest to nearest to uh, your section in the old uh, corner there, everyone is on and getting warmed up. But Reed is the only one without his bib on. He's just got his, you know, his training T-shirt on and just based on body language, he looked like the one who was chomping to come on, chomping to come on and make a difference. So to go from that to see whatever discussion has happened on the bench or afterwards or whatever the plans were, that I didn't see much of him going up and down the touchline and then somebody reporting that 20 minutes before the end he's, Decided to hit the showers early, or whatever it is, is it is worrying. Um, and depending on what the plans for him on Tuesday like will be, uh, people are obviously going to speculate on this kind of thing. It's odd that nothing has made mention of it in the press or anything like that beforehand. Uh, Khan is, like you say, is picking up plaudits, so he got uh. He got a sponsors nod which we'll get through a little bit more later um, and equally cynically this is this is you know this is through the looking glass here people' stuff that almost feels like a bit of a pointed thing to say did fine without you but mm, i'm not i'm not i'm not convinced
0: okay well i've I've read through a lot of comments on social media mostly by listeners of the pod in the feedback section, which will follow after we've discussed the game. But it it sounds like the first 45 was an absolute stinker. And the first thing I I want to talk about really is the disallowed goal, because I've only seen two parts of this game, and that's a goal that wasn't given, and a goal that was given, obviously, um, the winning goal by Tyree Shades. I... I'm usually, I think, quite a level headed person. I'm usually not favoring with the referee, but you know when people go crazy around you going, Oh, that's a foul. I'm like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So I I'm always a little bit sympathetic to officiating, most of the time, not all. And I've watched the Blake Tracy disallow goal quite a few times. I can't
1: see what the referee's seen here. No, it's that was that was peculiar. The the first half yes, it was a stinker in a way but in a in a strange way this might be one of the weirdest first halves I've ever seen because Swindon were absolutely absolutely bossing it really they were absolutely you know running the show and Colchester just looked you know completely completely lost they looked they looked a shadow of the the team that pegged us back with nine men at the beginning of the year uh, late into last season it was it was remarkable just to see a first half where we made so many chances, yet also seemed to just do so little with it. Are we back to half back passes to centre, back to wing, back to
0: centre, centre holds it, holds it, holds it? Are we are we back to that sort of performance?
1: Well, no, not really. And like you said, getting that early goal, which I think looking back, that might actually be my highlight of the game because it was a sumptuous header. Oh, so good from that corner. Um. Making you know, making lots of threats through this. Uh you've got Romeo Hutton who picked up, you know, some criticism for the last few games. I mean I I did chuckle out loud listening to the press when you know, our stats statsman Joe came out with that Hutton had put it on something like forty odd times, it only reached ahead about two times. So to give to give credit where that's due, there was a yeah, you know, a shift in terms of what he was doing. Same as somebody like what Roland Darcy was doing, where they were not reverting to type. There's actually like a bit more variance in what he was trying to do. My big criticism of Hutton from Newport or Stevenage seemed to be that he would do the definition of madness almost, you know, doing the same thing and expecting different results, cutting past the fullback, pinging in the crossing when everyone is marked and it just gets headed away. But he was uh, crossing early, crossing a little later, he was crossing low, crossing high, and for me, if you're going to cross quickly and the fullback is going to stick a leg out and get it out for a corner, that's better than whipping in a cross where everyone's got a marker and is just going to get nodded out. That's yeah. creating a different chance. He's not on corners, I've noticed, for uh, for this one, Gladwin will do the corners, and he kind of deputizes to for Bowdry, who was apparently the offender. There's a bit of, I don't, not even there's worse, a bit of jostling to get into position, which the ref has interpreted as a push. It's incredibly soft, and I think that FBT can feel aggrieved that he didn't get that goal because it was fantastic header, and that really would have oh. would have changed the uh, complexion of the game because. Everything was mostly just sort of pouring into town's half. I mean, Colchester opted to swap ends. They were shooting at the town end in the first half, and then I think they regretted that because then Keeper had the low sun in his eyes and had to pull on his trusty baseball hat in the second half. But just creating so many... It was. I got sent by um, a Colchester sporting friend of mine. She'd sent me the stats of about 20 minutes in, and we had like 81% possession or something crazy like this. <laughs> it was all just channelling them. It was coming to naught, but certainly for players like Hutton, and like I said, for Darcy, we had the thing where he, you know, he was making very speculative efforts last week that weren't really going anywhere. That wasn't necessarily the case, and he was looking to play people in. It felt to me very much like a... Mm, a five out of a five point five out of ten performances all round. There was nothing that was especially shockingly bad, but I didn't see a lot that was spellbinding either. It was very pedestrian stuff, you know, from the back all the way to the all the way to the front. Just not getting enough edge. And Colchester, they looked they looked right for the taking, really.
0: Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting listening to you say how much in control we were although fans are, are labeling it dull and and i guess that's because there's just that that, that creative spark just isn't there you know we, we've got the ball we, we we're playing it around but you know people want to be dare i say entertained and it's, it's it's is it a case of that
1: um i guess it could be yes it could be a case of being entertained people didn't want to see Exactly what they saw if they came to the Newport game, and exactly what they saw if they watched the Stevenage game, which was, uh, you know, sort of impotent attacking player that just gets kind of carved out. Although Colchester, of course, like I say, they looked right for the taking, you know, they, they was not a very big gap between, you know, their defense and their three going forward, and they just sort of stuck, I think it was Sears up top and just hoped, hoped to catch catch people on the break and hoof it and we'd get caught out Uh, a couple of times later in the game, you know, that almost worked out for them. But Hmm. at least the play it was the same, the same players, but at least, at least there were some changes with it. I think a lot Hmm. of people's frustrations were with the, with the, how the front three operate. And I don't know if it's... um you know taking the foot off or something like that we 'll just we 'll just put it out there, but since we sh- we 've shifted to the three and since he 's put pen to paper on the extension it 's been very quiet for wakeling and rather than thinking that. He just thinks, well, I'm I'm contracted up, so I can take my foot off. I just think that this system doesn't suit him and his talents at all.
0: Yeah, he hasn't scored in five now, has he, uh, Jake Wakeling? And I mean, it's it's mostly because he's been moved wide instead of central, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think it just doesn't seem to. A, it doesn't seem to suit his play, but also how we're setting up. I mean. Almost a misnomer to compare, you know, how EFL teams compare to Premier League teams or things like that. But we've got our two centre backs at the moment. we've got Bordering Clayton sticking back really, really quite deep to take short passes because we want to play out from the back. And everyone else is kind of pushing high. Like Blake Tracy and Hutton have got license to get all the way up there to feed in crosses. But that kind of, if you've got three playing up top in that kind of deep position it kind of negates that and a player like Jeffcott is going to always seem seemingly be quite heavily marked anyway so whereas last season we had you know breaks that somebody like Williams might make from midfield to play in McCurdy and then if you've got uh, you would have had Tyrese Simpson or Josh Davison doing this thing of making a run as if he will receive the next pass and that never comes, that gives McCurdy space. That's not happening. Everyone's just sort of getting crowded out. It's not quite fitting only having one striker option and I think everyone's suffering because of it.
0: We 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 do it does feel like we're wasting Jeffcott too um in the current style given what we know he can do. It's it's not been working for him in the last couple of games. It's it's not been working for Wakeling in the last few games can fault a work rate as always on, on on that front, but if we're going to get the results that we need when we play better opposition, then then we need to maximize you know our players and what what they're good at we need to make sure that we we're, we're doing everything we can like we have in other successful seasons like making sure McCurdy was at the end of everything and making sure Owen Doyle was at the end of everything um in previous seasons um how bad were colchester
1: i really think they might be the worst team i've seen this season i the quality this year in league 2 and over the last couple of seasons even going back to uh the points per game season that got curtailed. It's always seemed very tight to me, but you've got it always you've got distinct groups up towards the top who are doing exceedingly well and down at the bottom it's you know, it's looking it's looking dire. It's hard to tell because they've got it's not that different from the side we played earlier in the year in terms of personnel. A lot of the same faces who managed to <laughs> peg us up on that grim uh, watch-along that we enjoyed with the Patriot guys. But there's a lot of behind-the-scenes go- things going on at Colchester, isn't there, that I don't think is making for uh, a particularly good work environment. But perhaps they'll be lucky because I think there might be about three, four, five other clubs that are in a similar situation.
0: Yeah, that was, that was something like their eighth loss this season and six of them have been by one goal which must be extremely frustrating if you're a Colchester United fan. But by the sounds of it, they deserve nothing this weekend.
1: No, Mr. Bloomfield's, uh, you know, he's very popular around where I live. But I, I did have to have an, uh, a good a good smile listening to a, uh, a preview on a uh, another pod where a Colchester fan was saying that they'd, they'd had a bit of a new manager bounce and managed to get three wins, although two of those were in yours and mine's favourite competition, the Papa John's, so if that's <laughs> what you're clinging to, then it's not looking great, is it? No, it's
0: not. For years, he was angling towards journalism. I always remember, because the BBC used to help Matt Bloomfield out a lot with, online, you know, with, with articles, and he was always, it always struck me that he was going down that road, but, hey, yeah, another manager I'm older than. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, oh dear! I don't want to. I don't want to hear, think about that because I'm, you know, it would have been the same school years. So when you say that, that impacts on me. Fun thing mm-hmm. to mention: I went to his uh, his testimonial at Wickham, where Wickham played Chelsea, and they just fielded a bunch of reserves. And if you're ever ever curious, just give that game a Google and just see how uh, how many of these reserves are actually top top Premier League players now. <laughs>
0: How about you just tell me in you know lots or not many?
1: Uh, lots. Mo Salah came on. Okay. So, yeah. So there's a yeah. That's the sort. Of, that's the sort of a, a caliber of somebody who comes on seventy five minutes in who's a absolute nobody and probably one of the biggest stars in the Premier League now, if not the world. The
0: disrespect of it all. Okay. Um, is it about time we talked about the goal? Um, goal of the season? Yeah maybe goal of the decades. I hope so. Tyree shade, two goals for Swindon, both of them. Absolute stunners, such an own goal finish, isn't it? Talk me through it.
1: This, this was genuinely absolutely incredible to see three amazing passages of play. Number one is that Jeffcott is in nice and deep for some reason been saying about how he always gets marked out and he's, you know, the last man and they all crowd round him. He finds himself deep, gets the ball into midfield, spots Williams, must have been out the corner of his eye, and whips this incredible diagonal ball across to Williams to feed in for a quick cross. Williams collects it beautifully, whips the ball in low to Shade, who amazingly catches it on one foot with a mishit sticks another foot out to kind of control it and then watches the ball trickle at what felt like about two miles an hour <laughs> past the defender and past the keeper to dribble in. And, ha- uh, and let's give respect to Tyree Shade here. that He could see the funny side of it and say, you know, you should be getting the Puskas Award and things like that. Uh, a remarkable freak goal. And he still did the flip where he didn't quite land on his feet
0: it'll get there but you can't teach these finishes can you you just can't teach it this is where i i, I feel bad that i wasn't there because i had perfect view of that finish and i'd enjoyed every second of it
1: oh yes it was, it, it was uh, a delightful view that you would have enjoyed being from that vantage point that you would have been there i'd say yes Lovely stuff.
0: How much difference did the subs that Scott Lindsay made on the hour mark shortly before the goal, of course, because one of those subs was Shade. So Aguilar and Shade came on and off went Thing and Darcy. Darcy tends to be now the player that goes off after an hour, hour, 70 minutes. Um, the, the noise of Darcy in a positive way is is dimming. There's no major criticism of him. But I think that early impact is beginning to wane now. And by what I've
1: read, Ricky Agua made a statement for his half hour this weekend. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, maybe we'll come on to this on Tuesday and dig into it a bit more. But I'm I'm quite frustrated this year about about the loan situation because last season we had our symbiotic relationship with Chippenham that actually seemed to you know, do... Both clubs uh, a good service. Yeah, you know, made the playoffs, thanks to no short part to our loans. People like uh, Aguiar and Parsons in particular. And Other players, no, I'm not I'm singling these ones out because I know that Dabray and Minton and the likes also made appearances and gave a good account of themselves. But Aguirre certainly gave full account that that level is way beyond. Oh, he's way beyond playing at that level, and that he should be competing high, and he should be, you know, fighting for a place as a as a professional. Perhaps losing sight of that by not having an outlet that's in the national league to send people to. And we'll talk about it on Tuesday about having loans that go out to national league south and national league north clubs that don't get utilized well is not it for me so opportunities are going to be limited and he yeah you know, he took his by the bit shade honestly thought well he must have been absolutely delighted with this goal because he looked quite he looked quite fizzy for 5 minutes when he came on and after that really didn't seem to do much at all from there
0: shade comes in and out of the, the squad so often he, he it feels like i think he up until recently, he certainly played or featured in every game um, for the for the club. But in all competitions, he started ten and come on off the bench seven times, which probably is statistically the most rotated player that that we've had so far this season. So for him to come on, make the difference with just a with, with a with a wonderful strike, um, and then do nothing. Well, you know it's better to do that than to do
1: literally nothing. Yeah, I think the other thing about the, the way that this is set up, and this this maybe plays into the later substitutions as well, is that it kind of limits in terms of what we can do. And I don't know if that's because of um, you know available personnel. I was just thinking before we came on about uh, Reece i and wondering if you know he will have or uh, be available relatively soon because I thought he was out for about eight weeks back in August and coming up to about that sort of time now. but He came on against
0: Plymouth, didn't he? He came on against Plymouth, so he he had some minutes. So I assume he's back unless he's had another bump in the road.
1: Maybe we'll find out on Tuesday about that one. The later Mm -hmm. changes from there, you had Andolo coming on for... He came on for Williams. Mm -hmm. And then you're having Brennan coming on for with Blake Tracy for, or for Hutton
0: so in the 86th minute Roberts and Brennan came on and Jeff Cott and Hutton came off
1: so certainly for how we understand how Ellis Andlow plays Mr. Versatility which you know can be a poison chalice in many ways this is the this is the opposite side to how they would usually operate yeah yeah so it just seemed it just seemed bizarre it just seemed like you know utility of the you know, the gap is there and just need to get bodies off and get bodies on. It seems kind of inflexible to make a lot of changes. We we're playing with this this formation this system we've spoken before about how the team feels like it's been bought and built to play a five three two or a three five two and I keep thinking back to that maybe revisiting that. Especially as we're playing short and out from the back anyway, so some of these uh, some of these players could, in a defensive way, the join that centre back pairing, play right or left sided centre back if needed. Uh, other players could operate in that wing position, and you could free up two to go up top. I guess I had thought with this game. With a game with a dead rubber coming up in the PJT and the Hartlepool game, there might be an opportunity to play around. A with dead that.
0: rubber in the Hartlepool game?
1: No, a dead rubber for the JPT is a dead rubber. <laughs> Pool's <Hartlepool's laughs> not. I
0: thought, a, I, thought, I thought you were looking at Hartlepool's a lowly position and thought that's a win. Well, I'll tell you, I'll be thinking that. That's for sure. As, as I did for this game, I, w- I, won't, I won't lie. I said in the presser, this is the sort of game that I would be skipping into the county grounds, fully expecting a win. And if we didn't win, I would have been none too pleased. Uh, but we did. Um, and I think we've changed formation. I, I, The thing that I'm wrestling with is the fact that we're eighth. Teams below us do have a game in hand, and I think we can drop as low as... Eleventh or twelfth, I think. If if those games in hand went against us, but we are now seeing League Two begin to separate, aren't we? I think everyone below Doncaster again in twelfth are beginning to fall away a little bit, and um, we are beginning to see that two tier division um, in League Two, and we're well in there. You know, we're only four points away from the automatics. Um, a point away from the playoffs, albeit most of the teams above us have a game in hand, but we're there. We've lost an amount of games which is not dissimilar to those around us. We just drew too many at the start of the season. So would you think any radical changes now might have a detrimental impact or indeed it might have a positive impact because when we get to the second round of fixtures with teams, we won't be figured out. So it's kind of a
1: tough one for Scott Lindsay to sort of decide, isn't it? Yeah, it is tough. And I suppose the other thought of wisdom is that if you can get through this period, if you've got a couple of players that are, uh, you know, injured, maybe coming back into the fold, if you're trying to compensate, if you've got uh, players coming back from short loans, we know we'll be losing... Williams in the World Cup perhaps it's perhaps it's better to think about making these changes when you've got more players fit and you can actually have a good look at how everybody operates and you know have a full a full house it did work yesterday so yeah you know, I don't want to be be doom laden and super cynical because that that wouldn't seem quite right but like you say you when you were talking on the press and saying that you'd be rubbing your hands in and skipping into the county ground, well, likewise, I was skipping in, but I certainly wasn't skipping out. There's just a just a little gnawing <laughs> feeling that it should have felt a bit more comfortable.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think what we've experienced this weekend against Colchester will give me a little bit of caution for Hartlepool, but they are having an absolutely dire season. The fact they lost a free fall in Harrogate, They've conceded 25 goals this season. That's incredibly high. So we'll we'll see. But let's get let's get the Tuesday game under out the way, see what options are there. Because this was another
1: win. <laughs> it's another win for Swindon. Give me some more positivity, Joe. Uh more positivity. Well, like I say, people are doing things differently. A lot of plaudits for uh <laughs> Saidu who deputized for do I say deputised? He seems to have taken Reed's place. Yes. And he even got the um Yes, he got the sponsors man of the match, and well,
0: yeah. I mean, should we should we go into listeners' contributions, and then we'll talk about Saidu Khan? Let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, here we go.
1: Clayton.
0: Oh, no, no. ball to Jeffcott, who's dropped deep on halfway. Really good Great pass ball. from Jeffcott. Here's Williams wide on the right hand side. There's only Shade to aim for with the cross. Shade will oh. get there, and <laughs> Shade has managed to. T- A win is a win is a win is a win, right? Well, let's see what listeners had to say about that victory against Colchester. Huge thanks to everyone who sent stuff in. First, Rob Dinsey with a full-time score. Team with no plan B won. Team with no plan A, nil. Colchester dreadful, town better but still really lacking in the final third. Jeff Jeffcott had the one moment of quality setting up the goal so he can have man of the match. Paul Temple says, another three points keeping us in the hunt and building the home fortress. Thought we looked fairly solid until they brought on the heavy artillery. Not convinced on Saidu over Louis, but Phil, he warrants a run in midfield, not necessarily at the base though. Shade, two for two in Shanks, man of the match, Johnny Williams. Jimmy Legg says, scrappy old game, but the three points is all that matters. A better ref, and we get two penalties and a goal not ruled out in the first 15 minutes. Deserved win. But Colchester were terrible. Never cried laughing at a goal live before. So that's something. Can, man of the match. Come on, you Paul D says, very fitting goal to decide a game like that. Tough watch, but a year ago or even earlier this season, we concede an equaliser and drop points. So I'll happily take the three points and forget about this one. PSW36 says, a game where it's best just to focus on the result. Carl Porter says, dire game, which was lit up by the goal of the season. Three points in the bag, but doubt we'll be talking about this one at the end of the campaign. Khan, man of the match. Sports professional mortgages, says Khan. Man of the match for us today. And Adair says, possibly the most boring first half of sport since the Big Bang DM says, a win is a win. I'd like to see Agua play a bit more, though. And Pete Marsh says, man of the match, Khan. Special mention, Jeff Jeffcott. Referee, abysmal. Two penalties not given. Off the ball fouls are still fouls. Need to play Wakeling in position on the wrong peg several times. Goal was memorable. Enough said. Ben Nicholls says, not great. Created little, but a win's a win. Johnny Williams, man of the match. Mark Kirkman says, "Message for Terry: Khan can play the DCM role. Deserved man of the match. Hutton close second. Colchester relegation candidates." Philip Holloway says, "I'm prepared to forget the lack of cutting edge from Swindon as we got the three points, and I think at this stage of the season, at and at this stage of this team's development, the points." are all that matters. Colchester were awful. I cannot comprehend a keeper time-wasting from the 50th minute. Mr. Good says, another pedestrian performance, but I'll take the result. We really need some pace and presence up top. I'd give Carman of the match a far better performance, both with and without the ball. John Stevens says lots of possession, corners, etc., but only one fluke goal against probably the worst team we have seen all season. And they had chances, including one gilt edged. Think we need some change to our shape, which may happen when Johnny Williams goes to the World Cup. Man of the match, Khan. Batch says it's an odd thing to describe. Totally dominant, about a million crosses and corners, got the video forward quicker. Ruled out a perfectly good goal, and yet, only two real clear-cut chances. Only one taken in a fortunate manner. Jeff caught a vocal point, but not really a goal threat in this system. We seem reluctant to try anything else, even subs are like for like. think I'm just going to be happy with that and take the deserved three points and ignore the bigger picture for now. Jonathan Orcher says, Johnny Williams and Romeo hutton Both were great today. Johnny creating all match and Hutton getting forward well and got some great crosses in the second half. Shame no one got on the end of them, but a win and three points. Yes, please. Swindon Spartan says, scrappy game, scrappy goal, scrappy win. Didn't create much, but the three points is all that mattered. Love how we are controlling pretty much every game we have played. Add some clinical finishing and we can start talking about top three. You Reds. Chris says, Colchester poor, Swinder dominant, could have had a couple more. Refs had a mare with the disallowed goal. Khan and Gladwin look really impressive in the middle. Concerned about Darcy, goes missing and struggled to string a pass together today. On to the next. Robert Hammond says, deserve the win. Flute goal from a fantastic build-up. Khan, man of the match. Billy Cancel says, result more important than the performance against a bland but committed Colchester. Very much the epitome of League 2 fair. Subs freshen things up. Shade's prize finish, the luck we needed. Luke Jeffricott, my man of the match though, no one really too outstanding or poor. Nick, very good up to the box, then we are struggling to score. Need to be a lot more aggressive in the final third. Gladwin excellent as usual and Khan ran the midfield and was excellent and my man of the match. Neil McLaughlin says, Saidu Khan man of the match again, but just shade in bed. Gladwin, a poor game, but three points, so onwards. Jason says, I guess we just have to accept we have a dysfunctional front line. Reed looks like he is off. Something is not right there, not Baudry's best game or anyone else really, nobody stood out, so I give Man of the Match to the ref for no other reason than he gave us 16-plus corners. Dave Phillips says, I think Scott Lindsay will be happy with the deserved result, yet frustrated with the performance in terms of turning possession into legitimate chances against a woefully ineffective opponent. Wardier says, Carman of the Match made hard work of beating an awful Colchester side though. Williams showed drive and energy, just wish we could turn all this possession into a few more goals. Bernie Man is smiling through the pain by saying happy with the three points, but man, what a terrible game. Still not convincing in the final third. Thank God that ball hit shade. Have seen nothing to convince me that we're anything but mid-table quality. Can't decent, but give Man a match to Jeff Gott for tireless hassling and creativity. Graham Ballard says, Colchester was so poor, a more clinical side wins this game, 2 or 3 nil. Amazing that we're only four points off the top three. The league seems pretty weak this year, so Tau fans should be optimistic about our promotion chances. More goals, please. Steve Arman made hard work against the worst team we have played. Agua looked good when he came on. We gave all we had for all the game, but... Just a bit toothless near goal, getting a tad concerning, but three crucial points. Hoping Reedy is okay, he must be very, very frustrated, but Khan, man of the match. John O'Connell says, what am I missing here with Khan? I cannot understand how he replaces Louis Reed. As for man of the match, come on. Jamie Goodwin says, another solid enough performance. Three points are the main thing. Average at best in terms of chances created. We've created very little for a few weeks now. Khan, excellent, and man of the match. Honourable mention to Jeff Cotwood. Incredibly hard. Weird positions for our subs too. Watching from afar, says pleased to see us win, but we made hard work of it. Passing is too ponderous. Too many average performers today need to up the tempo for me. Missing an inform Louis Reed, but Up to playoff contention. So well done all. Nigel Anger says Colchester were poor. And we made a bit of a meal of it. But sub speeded the play up. And that's all we needed. Onwards and upwards. And finally Andy Gibson who says positives. The win and the first half we were completely in control. And the negative is we do have the tendency to frustrate. And the man in the Nationwide who repeatedly shouts forward went into overdrive from about 20 minutes in and of the match Khan. so in terms of the general vibe of listeners pretty much everyone was well that wasn't pretty but a win is a win which is absolutely correct in terms of the man of the match there you saw some shout outs for johnny williams you would have heard some shout outs for johnny williams you saw would have heard some for jeff Cobb, but quite comfortably man of the match was saidu khan and that's Pretty universal across the fan groups that i've' read and and the listeners on Radio Wiltshire and also the sponsors man of the match, but there is, and you heard it there at least one listener say they just don't get it and there were there were comments on social media yesterday during the game from Town fans that I completely respect saying that Saidu Khan was a passenger for for large parts of that game. But he's getting plaudits, which is brilliant. But it's it's so interesting how people watch football, isn't it? Because one one person's hero is another person's disappointment, and we we've seen that a lot with Ben Gladwin, for example. That Ben Gladwin's having a great season, but some fans just will not acknowledge it. You know, they'll list every player and not mention. Ben Gladwin, even when he's been man of the match. So it's not rare. This is football. It's a, it's a game of opinions. Um But Saidu so
1: Khan, man of the match. Who do we go for? Well, I've got, I've got my own candidates for that. I would say to be fair to Khan, he does his, he does his thing like uh waggling the analog stick. I was thinking to our top of the pops fandom and right said fret. He does his little turn again and again and again, and again, that same set piece. I don't want to take anything away that he had a good game. He had a much better game than Stevenage. Like I said before, my dad is a big big fan after seeing him at the Newport game. Um, Yeah, I think he had a good performance. But at the same time, I don't get it. Because I didn't look at him and think he was instrumental in making that win happen. And I didn't think that he had the best game of everybody out there. That's what makes me cynical about the Louis Reed thing because (laughs) I just think why? I don't get what was exceptional about him. Like It was a lot of 5.5, 6 out of 10 performances out there. My instinct would usually say that obviously Johnny Williams would be a candidate there but I'm going to go with I saw some town and forum types would be on this with me as well. I'm going to revisit what I'd said earlier. I'm going to be wild, and it's okay because I know from past experience that uh, you will just uh, veto and overrule me if I'm wrong. Anyway, nope,
0: this is all yours, my man. This this one is all yours. No vetoing.
1: I'm going to say for marked improvement and for actually uh, responding to feedback. Maybe actually Romeo Hutton deserves he deserves man of the match for actually. Responding to what hadn't gone right in the last two games and doing something different,
0: yeah, no problem with that at all. Saidu Khan gets the listeners' man of the match, and Romeo Hutton gets the podcast. But and I cannot stress this enough this isn't a case of us saying Saidu Khan is rubbish or fans are wrong, it's just that you're leaning towards that notion that he was fine. But man of the match, you know that sort that sort of area, and you know I had him down at the start of the season as being the fans' favourite. I think in the predictions, so I'm over the moon with the way this is going.
1: <laughs> yeah, of course it was absolutely fine. I know that um, I've seen plenty of pictures of him uh, with fans after games. I think that he's you know he's making a good impression upon people. There's no there's no can hate here. I think that uh, me and Terry spoke a lot last week in the Stevenage game of basically coming around to the idea of like is that the ideal place that we want him but it's no it's no disrespect for that but in terms of being the outstanding player i just wasn't sure where that was coming from
0: that's fair enough Uh, is there anything else that we need to discuss about this game i mean we've, we've talked formation we've talked players we've talked moments is there anything missing
1: I'm um, not sure. I'm. I've already covered about playing from the back and how it just doesn't quite convince me. Playing with centre backs waiting literally on the edge of the edge of the box for short passes from Solbrin. I'd like. I'd like us to push a bit higher to take a pass, but. Maybe that's maybe that's just me. Yeah, as fans, we're we're we're
0: naturally, especially fans who remember that a goal kick meant just kicking it to the halfway line, regardless of 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 format, um, tactics, or anything like that. I think there's this natural sort of edginess, and having attended a Premier League fixture in the last week where two errors were from faffing at the back, you 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 expect it's going to happen at some point, and when it happens to Swindon this season. You don't want it to happen at the worst of times, do you? But you can blend it, can't you? You can do a, a bit either way, but they're quite insistent on that. And I'm not offended, if I'm honest. Um, uh, we will make mistakes. Everyone does. Um, and I think unless it's the 87th minute and we're chasing, carry on as you were.
1: Yeah, but hey, long kicks didn't do Fraser Digby any... Uh... Any harm? Stevenage FA Cup. Stevenage FA oh, there, Cup. That's <laughs> the wind tunnel. That was. That's not, that's not Fraser. Honestly, yeah. he's innocent in that. And hey, it didn't oh, do Liverpool too know. badly this afternoon either. So there you are.
0: Is that right? Is that right? Yeah. I wouldn't know. Okay. Okay. Well, um, that's pretty much it. I'd say, other than, well, the presser for Bristol Rovers is going to come out about five minutes after this one, and then me and JR will cover the the post match as soon as I'm back. Um, after the game to talk about the most pointless fixture in the club's history, arguably, but I look forward to that. The one thing that we've got coming up is the FA Cup draw, first round. Is there anyone that you're particularly wanting? Uh,
1: who's it? Broadbent at? is that? Is it
0: South Shields beat Scunthorpe? Correct. Yeah,
1: and it's not regionalised, is it? So that would be that would be um, that would be a tasty draw. But I think everyone's instinct is it will be uh, an awful. Northern away day. I think people are looking forward to Carlisle
0: it. away, isn't it? Carlisle away, yeah. Well, um, Vale
1: might be fun, mightn't it?
0: Oh, could you? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, well, get it out of the way. Um, the return. Um, there's a few that I want to avoid. I know Chippenham are in the draw, even though they drew. I don't want them. I imagine most people will want them. I do not. <laughs> um, it will be nice to get Needham Market, because I think they're managed by Kevin Horlock. They'd be uh, Maidstone at the weekend so fair play to them and also I guess for the money and for the for the hype a bit of Wrexham if they get past their uh, get their replay over the line having drawn at Blythe Spartans I think they did didn't they so yeah that that would be semi-interesting but Wrexham probably arguably got a stronger team than Swindon so uh, maybe not.
1: Yeah, Dar Young, yeah. let's go on
0: Disney Plus, eh? Who needs Paramount Australia when you've got Disney Plus? Or
1: you, we could go to Merthyr. How about that? Be lovely. Would uh, would enjoy that very much. Everyone's got a soft spot for Merthyr, haven't they? Well, uh, is there a reason to? Yeah, just because they were historically biggish, I guess.
0: I once got stuck at Merthyr Tidville. I went to a, a game, I think it, well, it would have been Chippenham. Chippenham, Merthyr, Tidville, many, many years ago. And a car had blocked off the coach, which <laughs> meant that we were stuck in Mirtha Tidville, or stuck in Merthyr for quite some time. And it was a night game too.
1: Going back to the FA Cup, I've just had a little look through the teams there. I should be, uh, I should be selfish and say that either Wickham or Maidenhead would be very convenient for me as away trips. Oh,
0: you've got to take Maidenhead. You don't want Wickham. <laughs> They'll definitely beat us in the... Uh, in my mind, they always beat us in the Cups feels that way all right well that'll do we'll we'll see what the draw brings i think that's going to go over several pods depending on what time the draw is so um until then jr
1: thank you very much thank you speak to you in 48 hours
0: The Low Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford, and the podcast artwork was designed by Matt in Singapore. What a guy! Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon! I have bubble.